0: Surfing, rashes, oh. yeah. Baby, I can't keep up. Blitz Ain't bleed, bleed.
1: Paint that represents Pure Tua
2: Nerdism.
1: Yes, shred heads, wax heads, kooks, and barnies, welcome to Blitzed. Pure to a Nerdism with Smithian Born. The Sunset Contest Men's and Women's World Tour event is a wrap and what a classically sunset contest it was. Oh, I mean, it is a very odd wave, and you gotta expect at a wave as hard to read with as many variables, warps, and wobbles in it as Sunset, that there's gonna be some strange results and some weird performances, and it was just an all-round weird contest, but highly entertaining. Um, I guess. Unsurprisingly, we saw some of the world's best find themselves out of rhythm, and that happened right through to the pointy end of the contest, the semi and final of the men's even. Uh, you had surfers such as the event winner, Baron Mamiya, finding himself all at sea in his semi with Brazilian Caioa Belly. We'll get to that in a second. But we saw everything from big, clean, scary sunset to bumpy, big sunset. And then on the final day, what they call sunset point, when it's four to six foot, hugs the reef a bit better, and it's just a playful point break. Uh, Not easy to pick them though, regardless of the conditions, but I felt like on the final day when it was hugging the point, uh, that really played into Baramamea's hands, because these are the days when locals like himself are most likely to surf the wave, you know, when it's just a rippable, playful, right point. So uh, yeah, he took it out. What was your read on the event, Vaughn? Mate, oh,
0: Svivi. Well, first of all... (sighs) I'm a fan of Sunset. I love it. I reckon it it's presents something completely different to what's going on. Big, heavy water break, like, different parts of the of the reef just re- swell, refracting and bouncing and just sort of, like, so much variety out there. And it just exposes anyone who doesn't love it. Like, if you're not psyched on that wave, mate, jeez, you get fucking hung out to dry, as we saw with the goat. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, it did have it all, smoothy except for one thing, man, and that was fucking no one taking on that West Peak on the big day. It just, it baffles you. Because when we've had Sunset Champions on this show, from Elko to Parco, uh, you know, people who love the wave, like, they paddle miles out to sea to surf Sunset. And... Um, I just feel like it was a missed opportunity. And I'm, I'm just wondering whether the judges had spoken to the surfers and just said, yeah, we'll just score two or three turns on the inside and that'll be good enough. Or, you know, did someone miss an opportunity there to go and ride one of those huge, fading west peaks that, you know, Kong just jibber-jabbered all over with his hand jive for, you know, the best part of a decade to uh, enormous success out there. So... I thought that was a bit disappointing, really, just not seeing anyone really commit to the West Peak and surf sunset properly because what we were actually seeing was just the inside bowl get a fucking proper working over and, and not much else.
1: No, it's a good point. It is a good point. Uh, I mean, something that we might have to raise with uh, one of the judges or former judges. It would be interesting to get someone like Richie Porter's take on it. Uh, but let's get into the headlines. hey. Baron Mamiya, the local boy, wins the event. Uh, backs up a solid performance at Pipeline to become the first wild card to win a CT at Sunset since the great Miles Padaka some 20 years ago. Uh, he's the first wild card to win a men's CT since Brazilian. Bruno Santos in Tahiti back in 2008, and he had his whole crew there, posted up in the back of a pickup truck, creating some serious racket that you could hear on the broadcast. Old school Polynesian style, classic scenes. I loved it, <laughs> and uh, you know, look, it just looked like he was having a lot of fun out there. You know, throwing little hand drives when he straightened out after putting a wave together. Plenty of aloha, not overawed by the situation at all. And that's when you perform good, you know. Pressure is seldom a good thing. It's 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 usually the antithesis of confidence. It's just something else to think about when you're trying to do your best surfing. Um, You know, some people can think their way out of it, but you generally aren't performing at your best when you've got a heap of pressure Mm. on yourself, whether you've put it there or other people have put it on you. Um, So Mm. incredible, just to keep his mind clear. I I couldn't find any stats on this, but you might know, Vaughn. I imagine he is the first non-Tour competitor to be leading the World Tour ratings after two events since Curran back in 1990 on his way to winning a world title from the trials. Can you think of anyone else, uh, any other wildcard who's gone deep into uh, a World Tour season or, well, two events at least, and be in the gold leaders jersey?
0: Mate, it's it's unheard of. It's so sick. And I'm, I'm with you, by the way, just uh, that, that like that vibe of the of the crew just sitting in the pickup trucks, just throwing out the sharkers, screaming their heads off. That was all time. But I don't think even Barron can believe that he's world number one, man. I mean, the, you know what actually it reminds me of some of you? Years and years ago, uh, the very first comp of the entire season, I think it was called the Clearwater Classic. It was held at like DY or Manly. It'd sort of move around a little bit. And a local guy called Ryan Alligich won it one year. And that was the like oddest... like world number one ever just about because he it was when all the uh you know the ratings and all that sort of stuff weren't on the two-tier system and so uh there's definitely been some odd characters at world number one but this is this is looking like a world title run mate like you think about the waves that are coming up and how good baron surfs like portugal suits his style of surf and he can he's got the air game as well but then you go to bells margis like there's no way he's not qualifying, right?
1: Yeah. No, absolutely not. He's a near certainty to be on tour next year. Uh, I've got to admit, you know, I didn't see this coming. It was only between Pipe and Sunset that I even began to wrap my head around about uh, how good this kid's rail game is. Like, he released an edit, which I watched between those events, and it was wall-to-wall, side swerves, you know, like skits, meat hacks, tons of power, tons of speed through the turns. Reminded me a bit of Dorian, a bit of John John bit of Sonny Garcia, uh, even a bit of T.V.C. with a bit of, with those lead-footed power jams and, and tons of power. But then he has has the balance with the speed and flow as well. Uh, and uh, you know, but then I'm watching that clip and I'm also thinking, yeah, it's Hawaii. Uh, you know, tons of juice behind you. Give anyone one of those tapered end bowls at backdoor off the wall or rocky rights, and they're going to do some damage on it. And uh, it kind of, yeah, just snuck off on me. You know, you take a local prodigy from the North Shore and it's unlikely they're going to be putting Sunset in any edits or, or, you know, their A-clips are coming from pipe. They're coming from backdoor off the wall predominantly. And that's my memories of Baron. Mm. Uh, But holy shit, this kid is red hot, 14th on the WQS last year. And with these two finishes on the CT, a certainty for the tour next year. And as you said, you know, he's got a crazy punt game, which he hasn't even had to dip into yet. Um, yeah, I mean, a bit about Baron, uh, cause mm. just like the, the, backstory of him is pretty fascinating. Uh, he, uh, won a Vans triple crown of surfing rookie of the year award in 2019 and also won the AI Andy Irons breakthrough performer of the year award that year, according to Mason Ho, who's a, a close family friend of the Mamiya family, family, Baron's dad, Barry pioneered the backside butt drag at Pipeline. Um, what? So this is what Mason had said. you Are saying say. he's the
0: son of the OG rinsed corn? <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah, that's right. And interesting <laughs> to note that, uh, you know, Baron barely even rinses the corn at pipe. He just swerves backside, pumping no hands through the thing. So he's, uh, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense in in a sense. Like the guy who pioneers one approach at pipeline, passes the flame onto his son who pioneers another. I don't think there's anybody better in the world oh, at that pump, so, that backside pump in the chamber than Baron. Oh, the
0: fresh prince of corn, Smivy. We've got a new one, mate. I, I agree. It's uh, that's exactly what you want to do. You want to take what you've learned from your your folks or your mentors and uh, and take it to the next level. I agree. Uh, the Baron. Oh man, geez, just that year. Like, how well set up is it for a top five finish? And not considering the air games, but just the Gland chopes. I mean, J-Bay is that that Formula One cut down that he's got where he really drags that rail like from top to bottom. I mean, only Ethan Ewing was doing it with the same kind of flow that I saw at Sunset. So, yeah, geez, uh, he must be licking his lips, Mivy. Licking them Uh, off.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Here's a bit about Baron from uh, Mason Ho and and, and the entire Mamiya family and his old man too. He's just talking – Rapping on the family in a old surfer magazine article, uh, he said Barry Mamiya was one of the first guys to grab rail backside and let the ass just drag, all stylish. Before then, everybody would grab their rail and stay over their board, all box stance, no ass drag. And he also had this to say about uh, Baron on the come up. I mean, because we didn't, you know, we knew bits about him. Uh, outside of Hawaii, but in Hawaii, this win was no surprise. You know, he's, he's grown up at Haleiwa. That's his local, an, a, a rippable open ocean, right? And he's a regular at sunset. Uh, and this is what Mason had to say. It's been crazy and fun watching Baron's surfing progress over the years. Once he hit 16, it's been like a raging fire of flaring all over the North shore. Now he's easily one of my favorite surfers to watch at all the main spots, like sunset, Haleiwa, and pipeline. And, um, yeah, obviously the hose are a huge influence on Baron and Meyer. The, the two families are really tight. Uh, and this is what Baron had to say about the hose. What I loved about Derek and Mike, besides their obvious style in big surf, is that they were always so surf-stoked. And then growing up with Mason, he's just himself on every wave. That's the best. And I saw plenty of that in Baron's performance. He was absolutely mm. vibing. He was frothing. He was having a hell time. And, uh, you know, if you can... Cultivate that headspace in a competitive environment, mate, you're you're going to be very difficult to beat. Let's have a look at his road to victory. Uh, opening round gets one back on Slater after the Goats' last minute pipe heroics uh, condemned him to the elimination round. Callum Robson in second place in that opening round heat. The round of 32 against Italo Ferreira, the, uh, the former world champ. This is one of my favourite heats, you know, big 8 mm. to 10 foot sunset. And Barron is just toying with it. There was one particularly memorable roundhouse cut back. He he hooks a turn onto the bottom of an 8 to 10-foot foam ball as the lip is kind of thrown, and it just squirts him out of a ton of speed, straight to another turn, and then a big closeout hit again onto a huge... like. He he just kept connecting with the foam ball as it was pushing sideways Mm. under him. Crazy shit, like so in rhythm. Idlo, on the other hand, I mean, he just looked like a guy who'd spent barely any time on the North Shore this year, which he hasn't. Uh, he just didn't look all that interested mm. to me, or at least he was you know, just terribly out of rhythm in Hawaii. It, it's not a place you can just rock up and expect to do well, especially at sunset, as you said, Vaughn. You've got to love it. You've got to put your time in out there to get a handle on that lineup. And, uh, yeah, he was he was disappointing.
0: Surely, mate, enough years have gone by where guys have decided to get stay home and train And it's just gone pear-shaped. It's just gone balloon, not wrong on every level. And, um, you know, I think we touched on it in an earlier blitz, Smithy, leading into the Hawaiian leg. You know, how much is this this absence from getting in the juice? Because it was a fucking cooking season. Holy smokes. Surf was just churning out relentlessly over there, swell after swell after swell. Uh, No sign of the the Brazilian storm, you know. No, No sign of Felipe or... Idolo or, or Gabe, uh, obviously for different reasons, but you know it, it's it's shown that those like that mistake of not getting over there and getting into that water is reflective in the results. So yeah, it wasn't a big surprise, mate. And I think that I'd be amazed if they make that mistake again. I mean, how many sit-ups and leg presses can you do? How does that translate to fucking winning heats
1: in Hawaii, Smitty? Totally. Come and on, you bruh. look at? You look at the Brazilians who did do well, and it's it's the battlers, you know, it's the grinders. Your David Silvers, your Kiowa Bellies, Um, in the round of sixteen, that's exactly who Baron squeaked past. Uh, You know, it was not a comprehensive victory; just got past him, David Silva. And and shout out to David Silva, just ultra consistent, super grindy, super sick. Um, You know, those backside bottom turns, like just so much commitment and just savages. The lip, uh, when he hits it. It, it, it's it's impressive, man. There's no easy heats against Brazilians, and uh, only God knows how they manage to, to just have the read on every single wave on tour. You know, Sunset, it, it's just a fucking, to me, it's a maze. I look at that. You look at it from shore, and you don't know what the hell you're looking at when you just, it's such a baffling lineup. There's peaks rolling in everywhere. You know, a good fucking... Seventy percent of them turned into one section burgers, and then here you got these Brazilian guys, seemingly out of their depth Kyle Belly, David Silva—but just putting up solid numbers every heat. Um, he forced Barron to, you know, drop a pair of sevens to beat him. Yeah, it was a sole performance from uh, the Underground Browsers. But uh, yeah, Barron squeak past him there. And, and
0: Spivy, we got to give a shout out, mate. Sorry to uh, cut you off there, but we got to give a shout out to Jaddy just sending it over the over the falls from way out (laughs) as you got that one. Oh, it was one of the beatings of the entire event. It it was going over Niagara Falls in a barrel.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely commitment. I mean, these guys aren't going to die wanting. And yeah, they're inspiring to watch, man, just as a sheer sports fan who loves to see people putting their all in and, you know, performing with desire and heart and grit. You know, the the Brazilian underground, man, they have the mortgage on it. Uh, They have for a good decade now, and it's a, a credit to them. Uh, in the quarters, Barron comes up against Seth Moniz, another local lads, uh, every bit as steeped in surf royalty pedigree as Barron and Mason and, and the rest of them. But uh, yeah, Seth just out of rhythm the entire heat. Wave selection was off. Couldn't find the ones that bowled and hugged the reef like Barron could, uh, which just goes to show how tricky this lineup is. I mean, if anyone's mm. going to be on the good ones out there, you'd expect Seth Moniz to be on them. Uh, that said, had he stuck an end section, uh, an end section hit on the end of one three turn combo, it might have been a different story. But that end section at sunset is a floppy, sloppy piece of shit. You wanted your points in the bank before you got there. <laughs> uh, how many, how many failed foam rides and uh, re-entries did we see in, in an event on that uh, fucking rubbish end section? It was hilarious. It must have been a thousand. Uh, but it's yeah. the
0: full clamp, isn't it? It's a it's a full like Venus flytrap. It just like goes kapow, and it's 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 it gives you nothing really. I mean, if you've got the timing absolutely bang on to the nanosecond, you can do it. You know, we saw uh, Conor O'Leary get away with a fucking mondo backside under the lipper on that end bit that was just so treacherous. And uh, but yeah, you, any other like. You know, a, a hair, the width of a hair, either side of that, and you are going to get fucking detonated, man. That that end section is a dog's brekkie. It's yeah, fucking I, rubbish.
1: I mean, there's, there's that end section, but there's also just on the smaller, more tapered ones, there's this like... Uh, I don't know. It, it rears up and looks like it's going to offer something to hit, but by the time you've hit it, it fizzled out into fatness. You know that bit? Not not the not the Conor O'Leary <laughs> fucking West Peak, whatever the fuck that was. We'll get to that. But yeah, I, I'm kind of just yeah. anyway. But uh, moving along, he draws Kayo Abelli in the semis, and uh, you know this is where it just got weird. Like after all they'd been through, both Kayo and Baron to get to this point in the event, they both just turned in absolute shockers in the semi. It's just a comedy Mm. of priority errors from both surfers. Both surfers struggling to find any rhythm with the conditions. And, uh, yeah, it's just not often that you see that many blown waves in a heat at this stage of the contest. And uh, I've got to say, one of my favorite parts of the whole event was Baron's choke with two minutes to go, needing a three-point ride, holding priority, takes off on a small closeout and attempts this, like, horrible Awkward-looking floater. Looked like something I'd do, Vaughn. Uh, he doesn't stick it. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up handing priority <laughs> yeah. back to Kaio. Doesn't get the score. It was probably the only way he didn't surf for fun or with Aloha the entire event, and it showed. He just, like, all of a sudden had scores on his minds. Needed three. Needed to rip off one maneuver. Absolutely choked. But it gets more bizarre because with only 30 seconds to go, Kaio inexplicably gives him a wave under his priority. It's like a, a, thr- a frothy inside one, but he only needs to rip off one decent turn to get the score. Baron does that. He connects it all the way through the vowels on the shore. He, and just gets the score. An unbelievable melt from the Brazilian. Those guys usually have the priority system on lock. Um, You know, the wave selection is usually flawless. It's one of the the big ingredients to their success, but yeah, Caio, mate, that one's going to keep him awake. He'll be playing bed karate for months after that.
0: Every now and again, you just get these brain explosion heats, and they just, they must be the ones that you just never, ever you you almost can't talk about. It's like losing the grand final, and you just can't watch the video of it. It's, It's just one that will sit with him for a long time because he, like, he looked like he was going to pull off something special, Kaio, the way he was surfing uh, off the back of a good result of Pipeline, you know, like really in career best form. And um, just goes to show, man, fuck, I, I actually thought that uh, the surf dropping off to the extent that it did on that final day really brought a quite a few people unstuck. And it, it's like you paddle out expecting something and if it doesn't turn up, not being able to just rearrange or readjust and and just apply that sort of a a fresh mentality to the liner. Cause like, I mean, Jack Robbo is a a perfect example of that. Just got lost. Have you ever seen him look more lost? And um, I think Kyo and, uh, and Baron just had a bit of that in that heat. So yeah, I mean, Baron did really well to get that connection through. Fuck. That's a hard thing to do is link up that outside break into vowels. Gnarly. But, you know, that's where he would have been catching waves as a little grummy. And uh, to finish it off with that tiny little vert snap in front of all the crew it would have felt so good.
1: Oh, how good were the cheers? The roar's going up from the back of the pickup. So iconic. Um, and then in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the final, he uh, draws Kanoa. And, uh, you know, there was only three surfers who deserved to win this event, in my opinion. Uh, and they were Baron Mia, Ethan Ewing, and Kanoa Yurashi, from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vortex Shaman, the Sunset Whisperer, Jack Robinson, you know, he was in incredible form throughout, but he got done by Kanoa, and uh, that was just, you know, that was just a a clinical performance by Kanoa. He got an an eight under Jack's priority. Uh, This was kind of when, as you said, the the swell declined a bit. It was sunset point. But, mate, Kanoa's rail game, it's just scintillating. It's, you know, there's hacks, there's calves, there's finners. He throws the full kit bag at it every time without skipping a beat. Super fast, super fluid, and above all, just super consistent. Um but mate, he just had a bizarre final. Like, I, I I don't I I I didn't know really what to make of it. I mean after the the semi against Ewing, Ethan Ewing, you know, I was thinking, oh, that semi-final is basically has decided the winner of this event. I just thought for sure um either Kanoa or Ethan were gonna go on to win it. Uh but yeah, he gets to the final and I don't know if it was fatigue or what, but he just fumbled some regulation turns that had been money for him all event. And you just can't do that against quality like Mamiya. Uh, but I, we should talk about Kanoa's run, Vaughan, because, yeah, mm. it was remarkable. That that Ethan Ewing heat was, you know, it was probably the, the, the heat of the event. Um, the, the water angle, yeah. uh, there was one wave of Kanoa's in particular, essentially his heat-winning wave. Uh, and the water angle of it, the, that man-hack to down-carve on a well-overhead Polynesian just... Perfect blue bowl for that nine-point ride. It just had me tingling all over. It was classical sunset. Um, and then he just, you know, backs up with an end section, hit on this treacherous six to eight-foot foamy section. The board stuck to him like glue. It was an impossible maneuver. Uh, there was a flowing carve in between. Just incredible surfing. It's
0: easy to forget how good Canoa is, hey? Like, the, the variety in each one of his turns, Smithy, is He's never kind of just banking on one turn. You know what I mean? Like if, if if he's hitting the lip, you don't know if he's gonna sort of like carve down out of it or just release the fins. And I think when he's at his absolute best, that's the sort of flow state that he's that he's in, where it's just full reaction in the in the millisecond to you know, create something out of whatever's coming at him. But He's able to add that, like, little bit of X factor to it all. thought he did a really good job of that right throughout this event, uh, particularly in the semi. The semi was fucked up. And then the final, he just looked completely out of sync. Like, he was hitting the lip at, at totally wrong times. He was getting caught behind sections, which he hadn't done all event. So just a shocker. Just, like, whatever happened, I don't know if you can even put it down to anything other than just paddling out and having a bad surf. Because, you know, like he he was super uh, aggressive in his sort of competitive tactics against Robbo. It it was almost like he just maybe peaked Smith. Is that a fair call? Did he just peak too early, mate? Because, yeah, the final was just a a, a dog's bricky. It was just, there was just sort of like whatever plan he had or whatever, it just got sort of uh, rattled out of him by a couple of uh, dodgy wave selections.
1: Oh, totally, man. I mean, it is that kind of wave where you're due for one shocker in your in your event run. You know, you're gonna have a bad heat. Uh, Baron had his in the semi against Kaiyo and managed to scrape through. Looks like Kanoa had his in the final. It was pretty inexplicable. I, I, I couldn't make a whole lot of sense of it. That that front side finner, we, we put the spotlight on it. Uh, I think it was oh, maybe way back in 2018 at a J Bay event that I was at. And I was able to watch that in the flesh just sitting on the shoulder as he was just whipping down the line. He's, he's turned that kind of front side finner into a, a transitional down-the-line move, and it was just money for him in the sunset event. And then uh, in, come the final, yeah, he just, he just kept – I think he, he flubbed at least one. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you what happened there. I, I'd love to – you'd really have to ask him. But, uh, yeah, just a, just a really weird one, and he'll it, be – Fucking very disappointed from that uh, that result. I think he, after getting past Ewing in the semi, he would have backed himself for sure. I mean, Barram and Mia, an unknown quantity. Uh, I'm sure with his world tour pedigree and experience, can would have thought I've got this for sure. But uh, fucking yeah, got yeah. walloped, in and that's
0: actually that is a danger, isn't it? When you've got like a bit of an unheralded name that you're coming up against, you've got kind of got one eye on on the trophy, but. I think Kanoa is a real dangerous, dangerous threat for this world's, uh, you know, the Trestles comp, the the rip curl finals at the end of the year because he gets in there, mate, and it doesn't really matter where he finishes. If he's in the top five anywhere, he's going to be, like, fucking jumping out of his skin to just tear the shit out of Trestles. And if you think about the one CT win he has got, which was at uh, Karamas, like, he can bring that kind of variety to, you know, match it with the big Brazilians, I reckon, at, at Trestles. And he's got a lot of surfing under his belt there as well. So uh, I think Canoa more than uh, just about Like, you know how we were talking about um, Ethan, Ryan Callan, and guys you expect to be in world title combos. Griffin's another one. Um, those four guys in particular would have been looking at this year going, right, time to pull my finger out of my dot. Give it a good wash and get to work because <laughs> now's the time for these guys to start winning world titles. And uh, you can feel a bit of a shift, mate. The top 10 is fucking unrecognizable right now. It is madness what what it looks like, men's and women's. And uh, I think there's a, a bit of a changing of the garden. If there's one thing, that that intent uh, that Kanoa showed throughout this event is really f- – it's fizzing. It's proper fizz.
1: Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Uh, that event that he won at Crummus, that was also Barron's World Tour debut. He got the wild card there after Slater withdrew from injury and, and got a 25th place. So maybe... Maybe Cano was like, "Yeah, I've seen what you look like in a World Tour event. Uh, man, you're not a lot of chop." Uh, maybe that played into the, the arrogance leading in the final, if that's what was there. But it's a good point. If he can get in that top five at the end at Trestles, you know he would have spent a lot of time there over the years, and uh, he is just absolutely tailor made for Trestles' rights. They talk a lot about the judges needing to feel something when they watch a surfer. That's that that, that X factor. And Kanoa just reeks of it. There's an electricity in his surfing. The the body positions he gets into when he hits it, it's as good as you can imagine, plus some. You know, like just the the body lingo is just so clinical, stylish, just fucking electric, scintillating surfing. So I think you're spot on, Vaughn. I reckon, uh, I reckon he'll back himself to get into the top five. And if he does, fucking watch out.
0: And Smivy, like, just think about that fucking one big tail blow he did. Did you see the water that came off his rail? It fucking went to the moon. It was such a big turn. That kid is not a whippet. He is putting on muscle, and he's going to be fucking deadly this year.
2: Pretty piss weak, if you ask me.
1: To the women's and Br- Brisa Hennessy. Takes it out, the first Costa Rican ever to win a CT event. And, uh, so yeah, this is sick. Not, oh, very sick, man. What a, what a year it's been for Costa Rican surfing. Carlos Munez, the first ever male Costa Rican World Tour competitor and now the first ever Costa Rican CT winner, Brisa Hennessy. She made three Sunset Beach finals on the Junior Tour uh, and she's now the world number one. And uh, a look at the top ten, as you alluded to, post-Sunset, yeah, it's a very interesting looking one, and there's a whole lot of Hawaii in it. We've, uh, the Islanders taken up a total of six spots. Malia Manuel in second place for one after just re-qualifying for the tour last year. Moana Wong, the unsponsored Moana Wong, in third after winning the Pipe Masters as a wild card. Uh, but I imagine she won't be competitive testing the rest of the tour. you got Carissa Moore in fourth, and then the Hawaiians, Gabriella Bryan and Betty Lou Secura-Johnson in equal sixths. How impressive was Bryan at Sunset Vaughan beating the Femgo, Steph Gilmore? Oh,
0: mate. I actually thought all the rookies were incredible, Smith. Like, all the rookies, like Hawaiian, Australian, uh, wherever they come from, they just surfed it up. I mean, there was so much attack there. No safety surfing, but yeah, I thought Gabriella was was just so Formula One, just pedal to the metal, fucking burning it around those corners, and uh, just you know, I, I don't know, Smith. There's there's definitely uh, a big red flashing light saying rookie alert, and I think you know uh, the the we've talked about it many times on this show, but. All the women who have been world champions have had it their own way in their world title years. There's just been no real, you know, proper gauntlet thrown down by challengers. It's been that way for a long time, and this rookie class means business, mate. And Gabriella, I I thought she was amazing, but I thought Molly Picklin like, was just lived up to the full potential that we knew she was going to bring to the tour. Um, Another surfer kind of similar to Baron, like, missed out on the tour by a spot got in through, uh, you know, uh, Katie Simmers withdrawing from her qualification and just making it count, Smith. And we've just got this fucking rookie class ready to drop hammers, man. And you'd be shitting yourself, wouldn't you, if you were one of those established world champs? Because they're coming on hot, mate.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the the WSL called it the Hawaiian Storm. And, yeah, you look at it now, they've got a total of – Three uh rookies Hawaiian rookies in the top ten plus a Hawaiian wild card in Moana Wong so that's basically a total of those four Hawaii, Hawaiian rookies in the top ten at the moment yeah man it's coming all right it is a fully rejigged top ten uh the best placed Aussie in that is Tyler Wright at sixth. Uh, with Isabella Nichols, India Robinson and Molly Picklem all equal 10th heading to Portugal. But back to Breeza Vaughan, what did you make of her performance at Sunset?
0: Breeza, I just, yeah, I thought she was uh, really strong. I just, uh, it was good to see because I think Breeza had to go back onto the Challenger Series last year, re-qualify, same with Malia, it's just uh, a couple of surfers who you expect really big things from. Breeza is a fair bit younger, of course, and... Has uh, a lot of uh, potential to still go for world titles. So I, I just love seeing someone from Costa Rica on top of the ratings, mate. <laughs> it's fucking, it's the biggest buzz. But I, I do feel for Malia too, man. Far out. She's she's, oh, she's been the bridesmaid more than just about, more than Sally Fitz. Uh, you know, she's she's become close so many times. Sunset is a wave that just suits her down to the ground. That must have been a hard one to swallow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, just a veteran of the World Tour, Malia. And she's never seemed to really challenge for the world title. But, uh, you know, far out, she's second in the world at the moment. And, uh, yeah, she's got plenty of form in hollow waves. I don't know what her weakness is. I think it's it's mostly mental. I think uh, performance-wise, she is definitely in that conversation as of the top female surfers. Breeza, just sharp lacerating frontside rail game it's been a weapon for a while now uh, especially uh, I can remember a couple of uh, European leg events where she was just fucking on fuego so yeah unsurprising I guess that's the breakthrough victory such an interesting top 10 top 5 in the women's and the men's um, yeah hope
2: you get the lot your dog <laughs> right, get back on protection your mutt hey dog oh, sorry.
1: goat watch form. <laughs> goat watch
2: well,
0: I, I, I just was so blown away by that fucking debacle, mate. It was an absolute schmozzle. John John and GOAT, weird.
1: Super weird. The first ever interference on a surfer in an overlapping heat. Was well, not even in the same heat. Another first for the GOAT, not the one he'll be frothing on. But, uh, I mean, for mine, they've really got to look at that in- in- interpretation of the interference call because, uh, I mean,. I guess the clue is in the name, really, interference. Uh, You know, surely needs to be a bit more of a direct effect on the surfer, the victim's ride. You know, Slater's pretty much kicked out by the time John has stood up He's clearly not affected his ride. They're not even in the same heat. If you're going to put surfers out there in overlapping heats, you know, especially surfers of that stature, although I'm not sure that really matters, but, you know, just be a bit liberal with the interpretation. Just use common sense, surely. Um, yeah. John's ride, not affected. I mean, Billy Kemper, the Billy Kemper Owen one, yeah, like they're definitely a bit closer. I, I, I think there's much more of an argument for that call being the correct one, but. The John Slater one, it, it just seemed it just seemed overcooked and, and not what was in the interest of any surf fan or the event.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more, mate. I just thought, what a waste. It just was so clearly inconsequential to everything. And it, it rubbed out uh, a really good opportunity for everyone to enjoy a heat with Kelly Slater at sunset and see what he was going to be made of out there. It just rattled him to pieces. 2.5 for his total heat score. So he pretty much just packed up shop after the interference and just thought... Oh, you got the sense he was never going to paddle our sunset beach ever again.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, we should also give credit to Matty McGilvray, the South African. You know, sitting on a, a nine point ride by that point, uh, so you know he was going to be hard to beat from that position. I think he tallied a combined total around fifteen uh, with a nine and a six. So that that's a breakthrough win for Matty. He's uh, you know, he's been toiling and battling, and uh, you know, sunset really just did suit those. Natural footers, the, the kind of bigger bodies on tour of which he's won. Uh, so that was a, a quality performance from him. But, yeah, the GOAT just never looked at ease out there, uh, as we'll hear from in a second in his post-heat interview following the interference. It's not a wave he particularly enjoys or has put a whole lot of time in out there. And, and you kind of got the sense that a lot of the men hadn't hadn't bothered to. It, it looked like that a bit. Uh, you know, They'd done some rushed preparation prior to the event. But, uh, you know, sunset demands more than
0: that. yeah, that's so true, man. And, and I don't know if you're a bit of a fan of, of pro surfing history and, you know, the early days of, uh, the Australians going over to Hawaii, like sunset was really the place where they did all their surfing. And it was usually big onshore days because, you know, that they were the only days that you could actually get waves and sets out there and, and. When you're surfing in in big, junky surf or in a lineup that big, you really get to know it pretty well if, you, if you're seeing it in every kind of mood. And I think there is an apathy. It's so obvious, Smith, to achieve a monstrous advantage just by putting in a bit of extra time. You know, like, that's how uh, we mentioned it last week, you know. That's how Kieran Perro won the Pipe Masters. It wasn't because he was going there and, and paddling out a pipeline and surfing it every time was perfect. It was because he was paddling out there and pulling the clothes out off the wall for 15 years and just getting to know it, you know, like you get, you got to know the moods, you got to put in the time and people were really found out. And, uh, I think, you know, as you said, and, and as we'll hear from Kelly, like if you're not prepared to give sunset a bit of energy and time, mate, it does nothing for you. It does nothing. Like don't, ask any favors of sunset because he, he's fucking turning a cold shoulder on your smithy and you're not getting a sniff mate nothing
1: kelly interesting situation not the way you wanted to start the heat but
2: tell us a bit about it yeah just one more reason i love sunset <laughs> oh, I just well john and uh, jake had caught waves and they were in so i was like okay i'm kind of free i'm on the peak I can get a wave and I, I was in the spot and I caught it and then I saw John paddling down the line and I didn't know his situation so I didn't know if he needed a wave or anything like that. And I was just thinking like he's pretty far down the line like I'm already riding. I think that's kind of what happened with Owen yesterday with Billy, but um, by the time I had kind of committed to my bottom turn, I was like, oh shoot, I'm like under John's line. And then I was just like trying to work out in my head like all the scenarios. I'm like, I don't think we can cross but like I'm going to cross over and the is going to cover my line way before he gets up. I was thinking all that stuff, you know, so he wasn't like technically up and riding yet when he crossed my line. So I, I didn't, I didn't know. And then, you know, part of me was thinking if I jump off in this whitewater right before I get to him, like either my board can be there where he can hit it when he paddles or I'm going to get totally cleaned up and washed in. So I just like made the wrong choice really. And then, um, uh, yeah, Matt had a nine. I don't know if I think Matt maybe already had his nine. At that point, uh, and, a, and a two or something. So I was with that. I'm straight out of the heat. So it was over before it started. Yeah,
1: and I mean that's never actually happened yet in competition. I think a yeah. non-priority interference on a priority heat. So I mean,
2: yeah.
1: you, you're the first. <laughs> but um, <laughs> get there. with it. I should.
2: I should probably like uh, work all the problems out. You know. <laughs> but
1: nonetheless, you've had a first. You know, you've had this result. Yeah. You know, it can be a throwaway still going into Portugal. How are you feeling about
2: that? Yeah, it's all, it's all good. It's just, you know, th- there's highs and lows on this tour, and I had the highest high last week, and, um, you know, I narrowly escaped the elimination round yesterday. I mean, I I really haven't put in any of a performance out here. Look, I'm, I'm, I obviously don't love Sunset. I don't like the wave. I don't like the crowd out here. Um, everyone's on a 10-foot board. I don't put the time in. I don't respect the wave, and it doesn't respect me back, so unless I change it's not going to change <laughs> but um, yeah, I was just uh, you know, I, I went out with a game plan I thought I'm going to either two things, I was either going to come in and get the smaller ones which it felt like they weren't going to score that well or I was going to go deep on the point and I saw a couple good left barrels so I was actually going to try to get barreled outside so I sat deeper than those guys I didn't want to sit with them when the sets were coming because they were going to get the pick of the litter and uh, I was never able to get one of those and then Next thing you know, that situation played out. So, you know, my bad. Um, I don't think that I affected John's wave in any way. From, from having looked at it, I don't think he got up until he passed me. But the rule is the rule, and, you know, we got to play by him.
1: Oh, the highs and lows. Thanks for keeping it exciting, and good luck in Portugal.
2: All right, get back on protecting your mat.
1: Ethan Ewing and Conor O'Leary fly the flag for the Aussies for... Uh... Yeah. Uh, he had the surfing <laughs> He had the surfing world salivating with his scintillating, unbelievably smooth rail game. Um, yeah, I mean he, he's been compared to Andy Irons and Curran, but he was looking more and more like Fanning as the event wore on. His ability to maintain that technique that uh, unique body positioning, and just keep surfing, keep his surfing intact, no matter what the ocean throws at him. It's pure Fenning, in my opinion, but uh, you know, Ewing's doing it all his own way too. There's he, He's a, a melting pot of some of the greatest rail exponents in surfing history. I think Makua called him part fanning, part Melling, and part AI on the broadcast, which I thought was pretty apt. But uh, yeah, talk to mm. us about Ewing's performance.
0: Oh, man, just completely inspiring. And I was just so stoked, too, because we uh, we got the nose. We got the nose from Parko's Nose. Parco's Nose. Parco's Nose. You could do worse than having Parko's Nose in your ear before every comp because he picked it. He said that he's a beast. He surfs a place a lot. He loves the wave. He's got the best read on the uh, the outside peak onto that inside bowl. He. He really does sort of adopt that that uh, new style of, of John John surfing out there, you know, where you're you really getting that high-speed arc out of your first turn and then just burying rail on your second. Um, yeah, I, I thought pretty much the most flawless surfer of the event. Uh, I couldn't really see a kink there, mate. Like, they're just no wobble, no, like, sort of hunger to sort of get around a section. Just everything was just put together with this silky glossy just fucking what perfection mate and it was just a a absolute joy to watch it was just shattering really that um he didn't get through into the final but uh you know Lots to take away from Ethan's performance there. Geez, that would be a big confidence boost going into these next few events too to finally get, you know, uh, some good runs on the board. I don't know Ethan all that well, actually, Smivy, but I think that he'd be lying in bed at night going, fuck, I just ripped that comp. Just ripped it a new one, mate. (laughs) Because you'd have to feel good. Like, you know when you're surfing well. All of us, all of us out there in Swillian land, when we're on a heater, you fucking know, mate. It doesn't happen a lot for, for your average punter, but... I don't think there'd be one cell in Ethan's body that would be thinking I could surf better than I did in that comp.
1: No, absolutely. And he might've gone all the way. I mean, against Kanoa in the, in the semi, there was one wave at the end there and it just didn't give him that bonus section. And if it had of, he would have gone through. So sunset kind of let him down in the end, but uh, it's prone to doing that. It's a hard one. It's uh you know, you wave selections just got to be flawless and, not many international surfers have the read on that joint, unfortunately. So, I don't know. What uh would what you be thinking there? Whether maybe he should have put a bit more time in? I don't know. He couldn't have surfed uh, any better, though.
0: No, nah, I, I don't think there's really... The only takeaway would just be, you know, I, I think it's more of a strategy thing, Smith. Like, how much better can you surf? Like, you've, you've just got to sometimes go... And I think that I've heard Fanning and Parco say this in the past, you know, Heats where you come in and you've surfed your hardest, you, you, you don't feel bad about losing them sometimes. You, you can actually, they sit with you in a pretty good spot because, yeah, you miss the opportunity to, uh, you know, get, get that first win or make the final or whatever it is. Like you might not have um, sort of ticked the box of your goals, but if you've surfed out of your skin and someone just did a better job on you, then you can kind of, you know, you can sit with those ones.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good read. I think that's a good read on that. Pretty
2: piss weak, if you ask me.
1: Um, still with the Aussies and the captain. The captain, Conor O'Leary's closeout hit <laughs> that was heard around the world oh, for fuck. a 9-4-3 in his round of 32, Ripper of a Heat against Griffin Pinto Worth a rewatch, that one. I mean, that is one of the best, most committed, most consequential turns we've ever seen in the history of the world to a surely vaughan
0: oh, no put your head in the mouth of a fucking crocodile that's like get a saltwater crocker up the northern territory and just lie down in it because that's what he was doing he was just he was in the jaws mate he was in the maw and uh, when he hit it i was just like oh no i think i actually t- sort of did that breath and let out a little yelp because i was just going oh this is gonna be a real slap down, you know, like uh, proper proper grabbing someone's ankles and just whipping them onto the onto the uh, into the deep water, but he just wrote it so good. That that to me is there's a there's a confidence that's there with Connor that we've been waiting for, because 'Cause we've always said, you know, fuck, how does a guy who surfs this fucking good not get the results and, and to hit that section that late and just Right out of it. I mean, how fast do you reckon he was going when he hit the bottom of that thing? He must have been going Mach 10 And the G's on his knees would have just been pure pressure. Surprised that he's got any cartilage left. It was just a fucking monster man turn, wasn't it?
1: Man, I think that's the rub on Connor too. It's not only that he's surfing so well. He is a turbo jacked super athlete. Like We're talking about someone who's tipping the scales at 92 kilograms. He's basically the size of William Cardoso, but it's pure muscle. And we see how hard he trains up here on the Northern Rivers. It's remarkable. I can't remember a surfer in history that has carried his kind of physique. And I get the feeling, you know, if it was anyone else in the world who tried to hit that section, bar maybe Medina. I mean, if it was someone like Toledo or, you know, one of those more spindly frames, they'd still be searching for the other half of him. (laughs) Fucking hell. Mate, the thing just coming out of the West, like a it was like steel. It looked like steel. Just like this rock-hard, just horrendous eight-foot piece of West Bowl, just chaos, and he just clubbed it. And, uh, mate, you would have been able to hear that in Foodland, in the fucking dog food aisle. There would have been hobos just <laughs> r- shrieking. Oh,
0: mate. Yeah, you're so right. Anyone else would have just been instantly vaporised, just be fucking little <laughs> particles floating on the fucking north wind over uh, over the fields there in the Sunset Elementary. But, oh, yeah, that was a good turn. One of the highlights for sure. And, actually, i just... I thought Philippe was classic Philippe, hey? Like, you know, he he sort of disappears in the big, chunky, gnarly, uh, hollow, uh, committed reef waves. But fuck, he surfs big, open-faced waves well, man. Like, he really is a fucking good surfer in in anything that allows him to sort of engage rail. Because there's not much of him, but he he just pulls it all the way through. I I was pretty impressed with Philippe over there.
1: Yeah, so accurate, so precise, like you said. Give him a big a big frontside canvas and let him go to work, and he's an absolute artist. Uh, fuck, man, there's almost no other surfer I'd rather watch go frontside. Incredible surfer. Yeah, give him anything rippable, and he's fucking electric.
2: Pretty piss weak, if you ask me. Just
1: quickly, Vaughn, I'd like to get your take on this. The Aussies, they've broken ranks, and they're no longer traveling together, you know, not working as a pack like they were on the Challenger Series. That was something Con revealed in that last interview we had with him, you know, they're staying at team houses. They're working with different coaches, different team managers. I just wonder, you know, he, I just was listening to the Brazilians during Caio's heats as he went deep in the contest, and you can just hear him howling like it's a, that full team atmosphere. And um, having spent years covering the World Tour and just watching how they move about events and how in each other's corner they are, I just wonder whether that's a bit of a mistake from the Australians to, to let. You know, companies and team managers and coaches come in between the chemistry and the the patriotism that they'd worked so hard to galvanise on the Challenger Series.
0: Mate, that is such a good insight, isn't it? And the proof's in the pudding, Smith. We got one surfer in the top ten on the men's side, and I think maybe two in the women's, maybe three. But it's it's did we learn nothing from like the success of the Challenger Series and and how? how important that was to that big final push in the last couple of events. Like we started off slow on the challenge series, if you'll remember, but once we hit Europe and uh, everyone was living in everyone's back pockets, going down the beach as a team, cheering each other's on. Like, I mean, you're surfing for something bigger than yourself and it works, mate. And it clearly works and it has worked for the Brazilian storm and it worked for the momentum generation and it worked for the Cooley kids. These movements are brotherhoods and sisterhoods, you know, like it's, I think you're bang on, man. And if, if I was uh, Conor O'Leary, I'd be calling up those uh, – at least the fellow rookies and just going, come on, guys, like, let, let's get together and actually start doing this because there's definitely something missing when you're on your own program. And I think even just getting in your own head too much, mate. Like, when you – there's something comforting about having, like, you know, 10 – Friends on the beach patting you on the back and going, "Let's do this, let's do this," getting you all revved up. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not sort of getting into the nitty gritty and thinking too much before you get out there for your heat.
1: Hundred percent. You know, I picture myself, uh, you know, playing football, for example, and like running out alone onto a football field versus running out through a a huge fucking guard of honor of people screaming profanity in your ear holes and butt slapping and (laughs) back slapping you, like you know, and, and a fucking. Twelve blokes behind just fucking screamed blue motor. Like it. the difference is is astronomical. It's massive, and uh, you you grow an extra an extra leg in that situation. So yeah, and the Brazilians they bring it, man. And maybe it takes you know maybe it was the, the years of you know being degraded uh, as these kind of no-hopers that that put him in that. that that box together where they were just revved up or maybe it's the shared hardship of their upbringings and the poverty and the the crime or I don't know what it is but something's galvanized them and they keep it together at the world to a level um, and, and there's just this respect once you're at that level there is a respect there um, you know and Medina I don't know what's going on in his world but it's interesting to note that you know he's the big dog I guess, in Brazilian surfing. And he had that falling out with Caio. But then when Caio gets deep in the event, like the Brazilians are so in his corner. They're they're not backing Medina over Caio. It's just a a uniform level of support. Um, Yeah, and I mean, you were there thereabouts in 2007 when Fanning broke the Australian world title drought, you know, the the first uh, men's world title winner since hockey in 99, was it? And uh, I mean, what was the, the feeling around about those those years, in my memory, it was super patriotic. You know, you had those lunatics like Nathan heads just fucking screaming in your ear, Oh, uh, and it was just yeah, it
0: was. No, mate, it was it was a full blown Aussie push to to claim surfing back. You know, to claim back the status as the best surfing nation, and that wasn't just at a CT level. I mean, more importantly, that was on the QS. There was uh, the LMB um, movement, which basically just took every single person and put a, a big uh, elastic band around them all and said, come in, you know, like we're, we're doing this together. We're not, we're not just, you know, taken off. So that, that was uh, started a couple of years before fanning. Um, it just gave all the battlers, uh, you know, a sense of family on tour. And, and as a result, you know, by the time uh, the Cooley kids came through, you're talking about guys who had been best friends since they were, you know, 11 years old and younger, so it's no surprise, Smivy, that like that success was built on these big movements and uh, comradeship. Really, like they were they were properly all on the same team. A win for one was a win for everyone. And right now, I just feel like Australian surfing—it's just been in a place for too long where it's all about the individual and not enough about the team. The Irikanjis in the Olympics of all things, really broke that mold and, and brought us back to a team mentality and i think uh the the challenger series guys took that ran with it had success they've got to start bringing it to the cts mate or we're just we're going to just have these sort of random results here and there but maybe not push a deep wedge back into space occupied by the brazilians and and this next wave of hawaiians
1: such a good point i uh- I don't have the exact, uh, you know, scientific data, but I'm sure on a neurochemical level that when you have crew in your corner supporting you, there would be all kinds of, you know, oxytocin, dopamine, stuff just flooding your your brain and central nervous system that gets you up for the fight in a way that when you are just going one out, it can't. And um, you know, you're so right. The Urakanges was such a, a breakthrough moment for Australian surfing, where we had a guy Owen Wright. Surfing, absolute—you know—Japanese onshore dribble. He was the last guy you'd think would uh, prosper in conditions like that, and yet, just based on pure patriotism, uh, the froth of being in a team, he got the bronze for Australia, and and basically just topped off one of the greatest moments in Australian surfing history. Fuck, it was good, and I think so much of that was <laughs> on the back of that heavy team energy, that team spirit. Um, So I don't know what to do there. I mean, we can't do anything. Maybe maybe
0: it's up to you and me, Smithy. Maybe it's up to you and me, mate. Maybe (laughs) we've got to just get a couple of old Balmain Tigers singlets on Head down the beach like Laurie Nichols and just start fucking dancing like Peter Garrett, screaming at the Aussies every
1: time they run out for eight. <laughs> oh mate, don't worry. I think uh, yeah, you're looking into your crystal ball, because I think that's on the cards. Vaughan come the Bells Beach Classic, uh, but stay tuned for that announcement. Get
2: back on protecting your mate.
1: The women Vaughan. Born- India Robinson progressed to the quarters where she was beaten by the North Shore prodigy Betty Lou Secure Johnson, uh, you know, the Aussie powerhouse. She looked at home, some similarities between Sunset and Bells Beach, uh, which is one of her home breaks. She's got that stocky frame, um, you know, just powerful frame, a lot of, uh, yeah, just commitment and just strength through her core and, and legs. So uh, unsurprising to see her, you know, perform well there. Uh, Molly Picklum also.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, Smoovey. Yeah, I, I think um, worth mentioning again. Like Sunset Beach is a heavy wave. You take a take a lip on the head there, you get rolled around underwater. It shakes you up, and I thought India was just fucking awesome out there, um, because she was coming back from uh, basically like a concussion uh, that ruled her out of Pipeline on the big days. You know, like it's it, it takes so much courage to know. When you're you've got to do right by you, even though all of that opportunity, all that expectation, she would have had friends at home, you know, knowing that they're all excited to see her surf in these events. To get a quarterfinal in in pump and surf, big props for India, and and I'm just so stoked you got a result early, man, because you know each time they uh, turn the screws and, and sort of solidify their place in the, uh, above that cutoff mark, mark, it puts pressure on um, you know the the old guard like Steph and Sally. They would be nervous right now, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, mate, it's, it's so true. The the top 10, it's looking very different to previous years. Icons like Sally Fitz and Steph outside of uh, the top 10 and maybe even the cutoff at this point. I'm um, just having a look at the rankings now. But, yeah, another standout performer from the event. You touched on it before, Vaughn Molly Picklum, the Sunny Coast Charger. She had a serious crack over there. Uh, what did you make of her performance?
0: Yeah, just, I'm, you know, huge fan of Molly. Just, uh, I love her attitude. She's sort of cheeky, gung-ho, like a real character. Just has such a, a sharp rail game, man. She really can uh, jag turns with a lot of power, but, you know, really nice sort of speedy style and... Far out, man. I'm just stoked she's in there. Stokes she's in there. I thought her performance at Sunset was unreal. You know, knocking out um, Carissa Moore. That's a big, big deal.
1: Hey, And finally, Vaughn, i just like to put the spotlight on Kaio Abelli. He's had an incredible run in Hawaii. Uh, you know, this is an uncelebrated Brazilian grinder who just won't be denied. He's been dominating bigger names, the entire Hawaiian leg. And, uh, you know, you can just hear the Brazilian contingent going ham on the broadcast. Uh, he's you know essentially the new school Jadson Andre in a lot of ways. And uh, you know I actually have spent a bit of time with Kyle. We did a boat trip to the Ments. Uh, oh, he, he would have been 16 years old then. Um, he was the, the the national junior Brazilian champ at the moment. He was uh, fresh off that famous King of the Grom's heat against Medina in which Medina dropped, I think it was two perfect tens for a couple of crazy punts, one Superman and something else. Uh, and those two interestingly have had a remarkable falling out since then. Um, and how karmic that Kaio got Medina's spot on the world tour. And uh, you know, this That's is a guy. Yeah. And, and interestingly, that boat trip that we put together, which was with uh, Jack Robbo who was 11, Connor Coffin who was about 15 or 16 and Ian Gentil. That was again, uh, that was again a situation where Kaio took Medina's spot because Medina was meant to be on that boat trip. Uh, and, and that this is him into a T like he does not let opportunities pass by I think that the saying is good luck happens when preparation meets opportunity or, or something like that and this guy is nothing if not prepared he's always up to have a crack and I'll never forget what he did during that boat trip on a day of like like I don't know it was like eight to ten to 12 foot bank vaults, that skits Hawaiian style Indo wave and immense and I'll just paint the scene for you. Connor, Connor Coffin had already burst his eardrum at No Can Do Is that morning. Jack Robbo was 11 and uh, paddled out and got belted pretty quickly and went in. Ian Gentil he didn't want to of it for whatever reason. So that left just me and Kyle out there. Uh, you know, I was the... I'd organized a trip, so I felt obliged to at least be out there to provide some kind of moral support. <laughs> that was about all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's just me and Kyle sitting out there in this fucking giant rogue lineup and, uh, you know, a 10 to 12-foot double-up steams in, and he started scratching into it on, I don't know, a fucking one maybe. And, uh, you know, I'm on the shoulder just screaming at him to go. Like, you know, not screaming him into it. He was he was already committing. So I was just fucking howling at him, just going, go, you fucking lunatic, go. And uh, I'm watching this thing drain, and he just gets fully crucified, Jay Moriarty style at the top of it with this offshore blowing the nose of his board in his face, like full tail drop, (laughs) Uh, just locked in a crouch like Batman. You know when Batman jumps from building to building? That's what he looked like. He just disappeared over the ledge of this thing. Fucking explodes everywhere. I don't see him for like 15 minutes or something. I have no idea whether he survived, what's happened to him. I'm I'm quietly freaking out. I'm like, going fuck, I hope we haven't killed this kid. This is heavy. Uh, I'm looking in the boat. I'm looking ashore. I just can't see him anywhere. Turns out he sticks the drop, R- rode straight for a bit and then just got lit up to war hell, you know, washed all the way onto dry reef. He's walking around on the inside there. He eventually crawls back to the boat. Fast forward three months and Kelly Slater walks into the surfing magazine office, sees the photo laid up and just goes, what the absolute fuck? He's how old? 16? Are you me? And, uh, the goat just the goat just goes, that's a cover. And uh, you don't argue with the goat. And so Kaio got his nah. first cover on surfing magazine. Um, and so it, it wasn't a surprise to see me go, to see him going absolutely ham at pipeline just absolutely charging putting himself in some awful positions but pulling him off uh, and then a sunset performance that just smacked of pure desire pure focus pure grit yeah uh, had incredible wave mm. selection pulling off unlikely lip belts big calves flowing it all together you, you kind of you're watching him and you expect him you're expecting him to falter at any point, but he just doesn't. He just puts it together time and time and time again. One of the most consistent performers in the Brazilian Storms' stable of consistent workhorses. More te- power to him. Up the fucking Kaiyo, mate. He's he's copped so much flak. <laughs> I can remember, you know, people still to this day, you know, they give him silly nicknames like Chow, and he's just kind of written off as this. This, you know, I don't know, an ugly surfer. You know, I, he was dating that, uh, that Hawaiian pro surfer. Uh, what was her name? Uh, Alyssa Alyssa Cuson. Maybe you know, she she breaks mm. up with him, and next minute she's going out or married to some skitsy UFC fighter. He's just kind of like this perennial fall guy, but it, it, none of it gets to him. He just seems unfazed. <laughs> He's a fucking icon. I, I back him all day.
0: Oh. That's a fucking ripper yarn, mate. We're definitely putting that shot on the gram. I've got to have a look at that cover. You've just made me go, go, want to check it out. What a sick yarn. But yeah, I'll tell you what, Smibby. If there's one thing I am loving about 2022, the was. It's given us so many fresh stories, so many fucking underground battle of heroes doing extraordinary shit, rookies just going bananas. Fuck, we've got a year on our hands, mate, and I just fucking love sitting here with you, Smivy. Ripping into it. Hey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just a quick breakdown before we leave you. Uh, the top five men heading into Portugal. Look at this list. You talk about fresh blood. Fuck, mate. It is fresh blood and some of the oldest blood in the history of professional sport, all in the top five. Baron Mimir, the gold. he'll be wearing the gold jersey in Portugal, Uh Second, Kanoa Igarashi, the Huntington Beach raised Japanese surfer. Equal second, Seth Moniz, the Hawaiian Grom, the Super Grom. At number wow. four, our man, Kaya Belly, the brazo battler. Fucking credit to you, Kaya. <laughs> you icon, man. I'm so far from the him in the top five. I can't believe it. And at number five, <laughs> fifth, De Galt. At 50 years young, oh. Kelly Slater. Uh, and just beneath the top five, we've got Ethan Ewing Vaughn. He's in there, mate. He's in there with a sniff. Ewing. Ewing. Uh, skipping <laughs> over to the women's now. First place, the Costa Rican, Brisa Hennessy. Second, Malia Manuel. Third, Moana Jones Wong. Fourth, Chris Moore. And fifth, Joanne Defay.
0: Wow. Wow. That is a real different looking top five on both sides compared to last year. This time last year, you weren't seeing that, mate. Kicking off in Hawaii has just been a masterstroke. I am frothing for Portugal. And I've only got really one thing left to say. Hope you get the lot, you dog.
1: Well said. That's a wrap. Till next time.
0: You've been listening to Blitzed, and ain't-that-swell pro-surfing sponge bath.